listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 31st of August 2021, the last day of winter. Later, why $56 billion in super are in underperforming funds. But first to Australia Post, which is asking consumers to be patient as lockdowns and the spreading Delta variant impacts delivery times. It comes as an online shopping boom has seen it post a 10% increase in revenues to a record of $8.27 billion over the last financial year. It's seen an 18% increase in parcel revenues and the government gets a $46 million dividend windfall. For more, I spoke with its acting chief executive, Rodney Boyce. Rodney, how significant has the online boom been to Australia Post? Oh, Ricardo, it's been absolutely um fantastic for us, really has fueled the growth of our uh, parcel and services uh, business up 17% on last year. So a significant fueling to that, but it couldn't have, we couldn't have delivered on that without the absolute dedication of our, our employees, our contractors and our licensed post offices. So everybody's worked tremendously hard on this COVID fuel boom. I want to get into your staff in a few moments, but in terms of this uplift in um, business, especially with parcels, what has that done to delivery times and how are you managing that? Right at the moment, Delta's been a bit of a game changer actually for us, Ricardo. Um, It really has put a lot of pressure. Last year, this time we had 5 million people in lockdown this year. Right now we've got around 15 million Australians in lockdown, so that's put an enormous amount of online uh, shopping going on right at the moment. And also Delta is uh, so much more transmissible that what we're seeing is uh, not so much in the workplace but at home and the number of exposure sites. I know in Melbourne we're over 1,000 now in Sydney, I've lost count. Um, And that means that on any given day we have about 500 of our workforce um, at home isolating, waiting to uh, with a test and waiting to get a negative result before they can turn back up at work. So it's had a significant impact on our workforce, had a significant impact on volumes, and that has blown out delivery times uh, in the last week or so. So what's your message to consumers uh, seeking to get their goods delivered in a timely fashion, especially as we head into Christmas? Yeah, well, it's a long way to, to Christmas, uh, Ricardo. I'd like to think uh, that uh, we'll all get to the 70 and 80% and we'll be on that roadmap for, for vaccination and opening up. But uh, right at the moment, if I can just uh, ask for everybody's uh, patience, um, there are uh, bottlenecks all the way through the supply chain. I know a number of our merchants are also having some challenges because they're uh, uh, impacted by COVID and then that flows onto us and that flows out onto uh, onto the consumers. So just patience, we will get there. Our team is doing an incredible job. Normally when we have peak-like volumes, and these are as big as Christmas last year, what we're seeing at the moment, we would have recruited about 5,000. Uh, Ricardo, you might have seen that we have uh, a recruitment drive out at the moment for around 4,000 people um and at uh but on any given day right at the moment we're about four to five hundred people um short because uh they're at home testing isolating waiting for a negative result before they can come back because they might have visited a, a, an exposure site so uh, patience would be greatly appreciated given your workers are on the front line on deliveries handling passenger uh, packages what's your vaccination policy and will you be making it mandatory uh, uh, we've been really pleased with the number of our workforce who have voluntarily rolled up and got like 
um, uh, what we have done over the last couple of months is make sure that we put in place as many um, opportunities for our workforce to get out and get vaccinated. That's with time off um, so they can go away and do that. But it's really been about availability of supply. Um, once there's been um, everybody's had the opportunity to, to get a vaccination. I think we can talk about mandatory vaccination policies, but right at the moment, we just haven't had the vaccine supply available for everybody in our workforce and other workforces uh, to, to get the jab. How concerned are you about the economic and health impacts of the pandemic? Uh, like most people, um, I'm quite concerned at the long-term impacts. Uh, what we're seeing at the moment is uh, significant mental health um, uh, a lot of people like myself uh, in Melbourne have been locked up now for well over 200 days. So um, that has a significant impact, uh, people with families, uh, young kids. I think that will uh, play out in, in both the short and, and, and longer term. Um, and also the economic is, uh, for very good reason, a lot of stimulus is, uh, to small and large business, to individuals, and, and that's been needed, but that will weigh on economic growth in the longer term. Just finally, Paul Graham joined the CEO in September. What will his role be in the context of how Christine Holgate left the organisation? Uh, well, Paul's joining as C CEO. Uh, really looking forward to, to Paul joining us uh, on the 27th of uh, September. Um, he's really keen and excited um, to join us and, and I'm looking forward to, uh, for, to him join as is, as is our team. Um, he and I have been speaking quite regularly um, so I know he's very keen and, and uh, as soon as he can get out of lockdown in New South Wales, he'll be out in sight, so understanding our business um, and getting a real feel for it. And I think he'd be a tremendous asset. Rodney Boys there, the acting CEO of Australia Post. From Post, let's go to superannuation now and financial services regulator APRA says of the 76 MySuper products it analysed, 13 have underperformed when assessed on investment performance and fees. So it means... $56 billion worth of super funds are invested in a way that fails to meet a key target set by the government. Now, those funds are available to view on the APRA website. For more, I spoke earlier with the superannuation minister, Jane Hume. So today is a really big day for Australian uh, superannuation members and also Australia's future retirees because for the first time, uh, APRA is publishing on the ATO website performance data for all superannuation funds and 13 of those funds have been identified as underperforming funds. The message to those 13 underperforming funds is pull up your socks, Australians deserve better. Uh, $1 in every 10 that Australians earn goes towards their superannuation funds and Australians rely on their superannuation funds to perform for them, to make sure that their investment returns are high and that their fees are low. So those funds that are underperforming have been put on notice. They'll now have to write to their members and notify them that they have been underperformers and send them to that ATO online Your Super comparison tool. Jane Hume there, and as the superannuation minister said, trustees now need to improve their schemes or transfer their members to a fund that can deliver better outcomes. Now, for more, I spoke with Martin Fahi. He is the CEO of the Association of Superannuation Funds of Australia. Martin, what's your message to consumers looking at today's performance results? We'd urge consumers to exercise caution in how they interpret the results. Think carefully before they make decisions about their superannuation. Talk to your fund and, and go to the ATO comparison site. 
What exactly is the issue in terms of the way that fail um, label is given? There's two issues with the fail label. One, we don't know by how much or why funds have failed the test. And secondly, they're grouping funds together and not comparing like with like. It's possible for a fund that returns 7% to pass the test and a fund that returns 7% to fail the test. The test doesn't go to a level of granularity to really distinguish between those habitual underperformers and those funds that are doubling people's money every 10 years. Do you still see it as a step in the right direction? Absolutely. I think the intent of this policy is to be welcomed. We need to address the vexed issue of underperformance. One way we can do that is by reducing expenses. We need to simplify the system. We need to stop tinkering with the tax settings and we need to drive really, really intensive automation so that we bring down the cost of serve to members of funds. Martin Vahi there, the CEO of ASFA. And finally, to the Australian share market, which did rise, the S&P ASX 200 up by 0.4%, 7,534. Harvey Norman down 3.2%. That's despite a bump of profit. It did, though, cut its dividend. For more, I spoke earlier with Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, let's start with Harvey Norman. It delivered a record profit today and handed back JobKeeper's subsidies. What's your take on it? A remarkably great result from Harvey Norman. Not super surprising, of course. We've seen plenty of other retailers doing equally well. But to some degree, there was some concern that maybe Harvey Norman was being bypassed by the online retailers and maybe the cool kids of the retail space. Uh, but Harvey Norman is getting it done with a really good top and bottom line result. We're at the tail end of the reporting season, pretty much at the end of it anyway. What do you see as the key themes to have come out of it? Yeah, look, iron ore really helped company profits. That's that's obvious with uh, Fortescue's result just recently and plenty of others besides. This really was a mining half, if you like, really did a good job. Retail also doing spectacularly well. On the back of, hard to think back now, 12 or 14 months to, uh, you know, the beginning of the financial year when we were getting out of lockdown the first time around and spending a lot of money. So it very much was a retail-driven story. Tourism, hospitality still really struggling. So again, to some degree, not a lot of surprises, but a really key uh, I guess, support or uh, reminder of exactly how the economy has been travelling. And with reporting season over, what's the market looking to now? I think the fascinating thing coming out of not reporting season itself, but was the commentary about the new financial year. We've seen plenty of retailers showing double-digit sales declines on this time last year. Again, not a huge surprise, but a reminder of the mountain we still have to climb. The market's got one eye on the GDP numbers, of course, uh, but the other on company profits moving forward. Not a lot of super positive guidance, I should say. Plenty of companies either declining to give guidance, talking about soft trading conditions, or simply saying, we don't know what comes next. So unfortunately, for the next few months, uncertainty may well be the order of the day. Scott Phillips there from The Motley Fool. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.